Hello and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we've got some new comics to talk about. Uh, these are a couple of fresh ones that just came out today. Uh, Absolute Carnage, issue number five. Excalibur, issue number two. And Marauders, issue number two. Now, I want to extend my deepest condolences. Uh, actually, wrong word. Uh, deepest apologies for uh, the late recording on this. I know you, some of you will probably listen to it tomorrow anyway, so it won't matter. But the reason that it was a late recording was because I went to Casa Bonita tonight for the first time ever. And I feel like I need to document that experience because if any of you know whether you've been to Colorado or not, that's like the place to go, I guess. It's been on South Park. Uh, and everyone, here's what I've been hearing for the last, you know, however many years, decade plus that I've lived in Colorado, I've never been before. And I've always avoided it because every single person has said, this place is a nightmare. Uh, you don't go there for the food, you go there for the entertainment, but even the entertainment isn't good. Um, and uh, I just was like, okay, I'll, I'll heed your warning, I won't go. And so today I had an opportunity to uh, go and did. Uh, it was a, an after work sort of thing uh, with a couple of co-workers who also hadn't gone. And uh, we had a good time. I actually surprisingly enjoyed myself. I was really nervous. Uh, so let me, I'm just going to quickly run down what happened at Casa Bonita because I, again, I just feel like it needs to be documented. Um, so we get there. The, the, the order of business is you get into the casa and you you go in this long line, and actually we we showed up at a time I guess was really quiet. There was no line at all. But so it's like a long maze of walking to get to this section where you put your order in. So you have an option to pick from like 15 different uh, Mexican dishes, way overpriced. I ordered the chili rellenos, and they were $17 for two chili rellenos and uh, shocked with uh, rice and beans and whatnot. But again, you have to buy a meal to get in. You're paying for the experience. And like I said, the experience is coming. So uh, you then pay, you walk through a more of a maze, and then you pick up your food. And then you walk more of a maze, and then you get seated. So imagine if there was a really long line and you had to stand and wait to get seated, which I've been told happens. But in this case, it didn't. So we actually got primo seating. Uh, the in indoor area of this place was like a uh, like Disneyland. It was like a resort. Everything had like Christmas lights on it and uh, all this random stuff. It looked like a sort of a I don't even know how to describe it. But there's this section where there's a we sat by a waterfall that's pouring down into a lagoon. And on top of it, there are performers up there performing, like a, a two people who are pretending to be like a sheriff and a bad guy. And I got it on film. It was so bizarre, like so bizarre. I felt so bad for them. I was like, oh man, like no one's here. They're performing like, oh, what are you doing trying to hit me with this stick? Like the one person had like a club and they're like come and get it and then the other person runs at them and on purpose the other person moves away and that person dives into the lagoon and then that person again later on shows up in just a swimming suit diving into the lagoon multiple different angles all these different dives later on a gorilla showed up like a person in a gorilla costume pretending to be a gorilla and um oh man and so again surprisingly my food was really good i actually enjoyed my food and uh but it was even weirder because 
there's literally hundreds of tables. Like there's a whole section of the restaurant that looks like it's in a cave. There's another section that looks like it's in a mine. There are two different arcades. And uh, there's a guy doing like caricatures. There's fortune tellers. There's a section that we actually watched a puppet show, which was crazy. But the weirdest thing of all, and this is the two weirdest things. And again, I need this documented so I never forget. So, you know, I'm not the only one experiencing this as well. We get up from our table. Again, there's like five families sitting here out of hundreds of tables. And, and uh, the guy who had brought us there, he was like a pro. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll show you guys around. And it was like, awesome, cool. We're going to get our own little tour. And we literally get up and our waiter comes up. He goes, I can't hold your table for you if you leave. And we were like, what? And he's like, I can't hold your table for you. And we were like, well, but what does that mean? And he's like, I, I can't hold your table. And this guy, all credit to this guy. He goes, we're just going to tour, like, we're going to walk around, we're going to be back, like, all our stuff is at the table, our food is at the table, we paid to be here, he's like, I understand that, but I can't hold your table for you, he's like, I don't understand what that means, he goes, I've been working here for 11 years, and this guy goes, I've been coming here for 27 years, and I have never had anyone say this, he goes, well, if you'd like, you can speak to the manager, and he goes, yeah, I would like to speak to the manager, so then he goes and talks to the manager, comes back, he goes, we're all good, and uh, I was like, weird. But so we start walking around and I go into, we're like in the mining section. I stepped on a, a mouse glue pad. There was a mouse glue pad on the floor. Like my shoe was on it. I was like, oh my God. And uh, luckily no mice there, but clearly to quote uh, the uh, Mr. America, uh, they have a rat problem. I don't know if they do, but honestly, uh, just leaving it i'm i'm glad that i went i don't want to ever go again but look if you're coming to colorado i would honestly i would recommend checking it out because it is a it's this weird really weird like i i'm glad i went like i i'm happy about it but at the same time i i feel really bad that i went it's this weird uh just, just this clouded feeling that i have that uh, I don't know. I, if, you, if you've never been to Colorado or you come, I guess check out Casa Bonita. But uh, I just had to share that because I, I just got back home, and that's why it's really far away from where I live. But, um, yep, so I can finally cross that off of the bucket list that I didn't know I had. Uh, and so let's dive into these comics, guys. So Absolute Carnage, issue number five of five. I have two thoughts on this story and so spoilers for all three of these issues coming out i'm going to be talking about them discussing them um this this issue was better than the last issue and it also answered a couple questions i had but it brought up so many more questions so uh the, the issue starts with a flashback of uh, of eddie brock and cletus cassidy meeting for the first time in jail but then from there it's it's straight into the fight with venom versus carnage and so at this point if you remember Carnage has absorbed all of the codices, the codexes in these people's spines, all of them except for the ones that now Eddie Brock has in him because he absorbed like the Avengers ones, all that sort of stuff. So they're fighting and just going back and forth sort of thing. The cavalry arrives, some more Avengers, uh, but it's, it's getting to this point where Carnage are, and so we even get to the point where Eddie's son, Dylan, uh, the symbiote the green goblin symbiote or, or uh, norman osborne symbiote is about to eat like kill him and eddie he, uh, dylan like holds his hands up and just destroys the symbiote and they're like dylan what did you do he's like i don't know and he passes out and then um brock and him are fighting brock and carnage 
and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And, and Carnage is like, I'm going to wake up Null. Because that's the whole point of this is Carnage is trying to wake up Null so that Null can come and wreak havoc. And I'm, I'm looking at the page count and I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen in this issue. I think Brock's going to stop it. But we get to the spot where he says, hey, heads up. He's like, I, he goes, I don't care. I'm going to kill you. He goes, well, guess what? I, uh, I basically made a fail safe. He's like, he says, if you kill me, you're going to absorb my symbiote and then you're going to wake up null. So he says, like, if I win, I win. If I lose, I win. And he says, so he's like, either I'm going to kill your son or I'm going to kill your world. Like either way, doesn't matter to me. And he says, fine. He says, screw the world and kills carnage. So at this point, carnage is dead, but null is woken up and boy, is it beautifully horrifying and he is just the entire symbiote planet has has opened up and he is now heading straight for earth and i'm thinking oh no and so and then it ends it uh it ends with oh my god it ends with uh dylan and eddie just sitting next to each other and he says did you say i was your son and then it just says absolute carnage uh, and ends so the thoughts that I have in regards to this are twofold because you could come, and this is something that happens with a lot of comics. You can come at this from two separate angles. One, yes, this was absolute carnage. So this was all about carnage and carnage was the main event, but carnage was also continuously talking about null coming. And I was under the impression that maybe that was going to happen or not happen in this series. And it didn't. So this series is essentially a lead up to what I'm assuming is going to be another series next year. Take that as you will. And like I said, you can take that one of two ways. One, it's just another, like, of course, this would be another cash grab of Marvel's of, you know, we got this, this great five issue series that uh, is not an end. It's only a, it's only a footnote in this story. And to some that may be upsetting. And I, that was, that was my initial thought when I was reading this was like, come on, like it it never ends, does it? You're you're constantly going. But then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute, that means Donny Cates still has more stories to write. And it started getting me thinking about the future because literally what's coming after this is Venom Island. And so my thought is, first off, if we're going to get another like absolute carnage type series, or event series with Null, sign me up. I think that's going to be awesome, especially if Null's at full power bringing the entire planet of the symbiotes. But I'm thinking it's going to come sooner than we think because uh, here's my prediction. So this next series coming is Venom Island, the next issues of Venom. And so there's been nothing revealed about this other than Venom's on an island. Well, why would Venom be on an island right after Absolute Carnage? Well, if Null is coming, Null is coming to not only destroy everything, but he wants those other symbiotes, the the codexes. And right now, Eddie has all of them. So maybe he's thinking that he will sacrifice himself or, you know, to save the world, uh, isolate himself on an island so that uh, Null comes after him instead of anyone else. And that seems like a kind of cool concept. So I'm in, I'm in. Like I said, could it could have been upset by that, but I'm not. And uh, just for reference, obviously, you guys know it. It's Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Uh, Mark Bagley does a little bit in here too, along with obviously you know, inks by J.P. Mayer and, and Frank Martin. 
And uh, but no, I I'm interested. I'm really interested to see where this goes. And honestly, like I said, I, I'm kind of glad that's not over. I I I was bummed that this that Carnage is only getting a five issue series. And again, we got we literally got absolute carnage in regards to this. But to know that there's more stories coming, to know that Null is on his way, that's really exciting. And now we're going to switch gears and move into the Dawn of X. So Excalibur by Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe. Uh, this is part two of the Excalibur story. And it looks like the team is headed with Kate, Kate Pride's help. Uh, they're headed to the lighthouse. And uh, this is apparently some, this lighthouse, it's an Excalibur thing. I'm not too familiar with it, but I was going with it. They get attacked by these like seal type demons but they end up getting to the rock where they need to go. There's no lighthouse, though. And so at this point, Rogue is still in her rogue sleep, in her uh, sleeping sleeping beauty. Sort of a Snow White type situation. But they get there and they set her down. And she kind of creates a, like a lighthouse builds from the ground. And uh, that was super cool to see. So she is the light in the lighthouse, which is awesome. But at the same time, there's a really cool sort of thing with apocalypse in here kind of explaining that whole Akaba uh, coven of uh, uh, magic users. And uh, there's a lot of magic even in this series. There's a great dream that uh, Elizabeth Braddock has, Captain Britain herself. And uh, just there's a lot of imagery in here. And this, I can just tell by reading this story, it's, it, it's not like it went over my head. It's just that there's a lot in here where I'm going, wow, like this is this kind of high level and i think it's going to be something where over the next few issues a lot of these things are going to start being revealed and a lot of these questions that we're having are going to be revealed sort of like you know what's what's apocalypse's back like what's his plan what's going on with him because clearly he's up to something but we don't know what and by the end of this jubilee who's on the team she brought her baby to the lighthouse because they built a, a portal to krakoa which i thought was awesome like i love that they just and then multiple times they're like walking back and through the portal like oh hey krakoa what's up oh we're back at the lighthouse so she brings her baby in but then by the end of the issue her baby is a uh, a dragon i have no idea what this means but um, I'm excited to see where it goes uh, just because, like I said, this this team, the whole the workings of, of Captain Britain and Apocalypse, Jubilee, it's, it's just a great X-Men team. And uh, I'm excited to see where it heads. Uh, and then we've got Marauders, which I, I liked Marauders better than uh, Excalibur, but that's just because I think Marauders is probably my maybe my favorite Dawn of X series next to X-Men. Uh, this is by Jerry Duggan, Matteo Lolly, and Frederico Blee. So there's two bits going on in here. The, there's a there's a backstory that kind of weaves through the entire story of Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw figuring out who the Red uh, King, Red Queen is going to be. I already predicted who it was going to be, and it is that. It's Kate Pride, but it's the how of getting there throughout this uh, this issue, and that was amazing. So cool this team is so badass like their fight there there's another great fight in here with batrock the leaper and we get them going to uh was it taipei that they're headed and they they get there and go to this like tattoo parlor to hang out and well and you know what's cool too here they call out uh professor xavier as well so um they're like a bishop they meet bishop in taipei 
and uh, Bishop's there. He says, you're late. I thought something happened to you. And they're like, what? Who's been hurt? He says, Xavier's dead. Assassins made it onto the island. And everyone kind of is just like, oh. And Iceman says, believe in the five. They can bring him back. And Pyro says, you don't know that. And then Kitty just takes a giant swig of her drink and they walk into this tattoo parlor. And uh, she says, my friends and I are going to make ourselves at home here for a while. And the guy in there says, as long as you're getting inked, otherwise this ain't a bar. And so they're all getting tattoos, which is cool because Pyro gets an awesome skull tattoo. We also get a great bit from Iceman, from all of them. Bishop says, I already have one because he's got the M on his face. Storm says, I would never get a tattoo. And Iceman says, there's almost nowhere I could put it on my body that you wouldn't see it through my eyes. But maybe someday something small. Uh, so that I just was great. And then they pay them a, pay him a ton of money and she kisses the tattoo. Kate Pride tisses, kisses the tattoo artist and then walks away. He's like, who are you? And she says, a former school teacher, I'm going to take this and takes that, uh, that jacket that's in the Russell Dowderman variant cover where she's holding her fists up and it says hold fast on her fists, which is the tattoos that she gets in this tattoo parlor so it's like i said pyro gets a skull tattoo on his face his whole face which is awesome and then they get there and they have a brand new boat like a giant huge boat so cool and by the end of this like i said kate pride becomes the red queen which is awesome and even the way that they say it is amazing so um Sebastian is like about to fight Emma Frost and he's like you know nothing woman and she's like oh Sebastian this wall is just more red ink on your tab and she's been like making fun of him for you know his expenses being high and having a lot of liabilities she says perhaps your affinity for debt is an emerging secondary mutation for you and she he says there will be no red king you bit and he says actually before he can complete the section second the sentence uh we hear an actually and it's a full shot again of Kate Pride looking so badass. And she says, I am the Red Queen, bitch. Oh, so great. Kind of like a, like a Walter White. I don't know. She's just awesome. This series is awesome. And then the very end, we get an infographic of who is a part of the Hellfire Trading Company. So now we know that there is a Lord Imperial over everyone. Uh, the title is vacant. And then we have the White Monarch, who is Emma Frost. The Black Monarch, Sebastian Shaw. The Red Monarch, Captain Kate Pride. And then the Bishops. Uh, Christian Frost is Emma Frost's bishop. Uh, no bishop yet for Sebastian or Kate. And then no knights. There's a knight underneath all of them. And no knights for either any of them. So we'll see what that part means. But God, this series is just... these. Oh, I'm loving these X-Men series. And uh, hopefully you guys are too. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein. And thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.